Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 259 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Aleph, and we have a smaller-than-normal crew this week. Krim was out doing the pre-pre-release with Loading Ready Run, had some travel issues getting stuck at an airport, so he's not back yet. However, we do have Richard, the owner of MTG Goldfish here. How's it going today, Richard? Hey, Seth, it's going well. Very well. Yeah, it's a, it's an exciting time. We are kind of in release week or pre-release week, I guess, for Theros Beyond Death. So uh, today, as far as the cast, we are going to finish up talking about Theros Beyond Death spoilers. We had a pretty meaningful banner-restricted announcement this morning that we'll probably lead off with some organized play stuff and then also answer your fish mail, of course, at the end of the cast today. So that's kind of the overview for this week. Uh, before we get into it, though... We have a sponsor today, and uh, if you've ever had trouble trying to sell your magic cards, going through the hassle of like sorting and buy listing, there's now a really sweet option to uh, help fix that problem. And our show today is brought to you by Card Conduit, and they're the easiest way to sell magic cards. If you're looking to avoid all those hassles and the time of selling your cards, the new service from the folks over at Cards Hoarder will sort, grade, and sell your magic cards, and once your shipment is processed, you'll receive the proceeds minus their fee, and right now you can get a 10% discount by going to cardconduit.com slash goldfish. So thank you so much to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And with our sponsorship stuff out of the way, uh, let's talk a little bit about the BNR first. So uh, today was the scheduled BNR, the unscheduled scheduled BNR. We knew it was coming. There was a lot of speculation about modern in specific with this BNR. So Richard, what ended up happening when we finally got to see the announcement? All right, it's been a long time coming, but Mox Opal finally bites the dust. Mox Opal banned in modern, Oko Thief of Crowns also banned in modern, and Mycosynth Lattice banned in modern. So three pretty big pieces to modern, kind of just banned. So is is modern just a new format now? <laughs> so I mean, I think these bannings are are really excellent, 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 very well done, uh, wizards. I think everyone assumed Oka was getting banned. Just like looking at the numbers, looking at the top eights this weekend, it was making up close to like 75% uh, as far as uh, being in the top eight decks, mostly as a four of. So Oka was kind of dominating. That much was assumed. Mox Opal is a card that's been talked about for a long time, but it's like $100. And that was always a counter argument. Like, will Wizards actually ban this card that I think a lot of people felt like uh, is probably ban worthy, but the price tag kind of kept it in the way. And then adding in a little bit of Karn value, getting rid of Mycosynth Lattice, I think these are really great changes. If you look at the modern metagame, this hits almost every top deck in the format. Like, uh, the top tier of the format is basically Oko decks, and then there's Eldrazi Tron, which is a Karn Lattice deck. Even, like, some of the non-Oko decks are now Oko decks, like Death Shadow. Uh, Mono Green Tron is mostly a Mycosynth Lattice deck. Uh, so I feel like this really, really shakes up the metagame, and it really hits on almost all of the top tier decks in the format in some form or another. It's a little bit weird because some of those decks were like pre-existing decks that just happened to like throw in four Okos because Oko was so busted. But yeah, I think this really shakes up the modern metagame and uh, I'm kind of surprised that Wizards went as far as they did, honestly. I was expecting Oko to go, but I didn't actually know if Wizards would take the step of banning, uh, especially Mox Opal because of the price tag, but I'm really glad they did. Yeah, I think Mox Opal's a card we've wanted banned for a really long time and i think urza put it over the top like it's it's always been this thorn in wizard side like no fast mana except for some reason if you play artifacts you just get a mox right <laughs> so it's been here for a long time i think it's time to go and i think wizards is just starting to clean up modern like faithless looting mox opal like what's next like ancient stirrings like i, I don't know right like all these cards that people have been calling out for a really long time are starting to go and I think the success of Pioneer has something to do with this. I think if Modern was still top dog, Wizards wouldn't care too much. But I think, yeah, Wizards did not want to ban their expensive card. But given everyone jumping ship to Pioneer and kind of losing interest in Modern, here's a big shakeup, right? Here's something players want. We'll try to make it more fair. Uh, and then obviously Oko, Oko should go. It's been, been mean to death and, you know, everyone expected that one coming. 
But yeah, I, I think to, this is Wizards trying to fix modern. To put this in a little bit of context, if you look at the most heavily played spells in the modern format, Oka was number one, 41% of decks, uh, mostly as a four of, 3.3 copies per decks. Mox Opal was number 11 on the list of most played spells, always a four of. And then Karn, which Karn technically didn't get banned, but Karn, Mycosynthlatus, that combo is why Karn sees play, essentially, uh, is the 13th most played card. And these cards mostly go in different decks. Like, yes, there's some, like, Oko, Mox Opal, Urza overlap, but outside of that, these are all distinct archetypes. So I really like that almost all of the major archetypes took a really big hit here. Little worried. Do you think this is actually going to make modern more fair like i'm glad that all these cards are gone i think that the <laughs> mycosynth lattice lock is is miserable uh oko was obviously too powerful but do you think this is actually going to like slow down the format and make it more pioneer-esque or are we just going to see like amulet titan decks that kill you on turn two and storm returns it kills you on turn three like how much do you think it actually affects modern in that level I would say these cards made modern more fair. So when these cards go, modern becomes less fair. Like, are we, are <laughs> I, I we like forgetting? Definitely- like, it was not that long ago. Like, oh my God, turn three Karn. Like, yeah, we're just going to return to this stuff, right? Like... I, I like I, that our definition of fair includes uh, just hard locking your opponent out of the game with Mycosynth Lattice as fast as possible. Like, yeah, it's some, some good fair magic that you can't tap yeah. your lands over there. And, and, <laughs> but and in a sense, that's kind of true. We just roll back modern a little bit. I would actually argue that two, two of the three of these cards were so strong, you just shoved them into like any random deck and it was fine. And that would be Mycosynth Lattice and Oko, right? Like, you just need to slot in four cards into your existing good deck that, you know, was not all in combo and these deck, you know, these cards would take you the rest of the way. So the, the only like archetype defining cards here, I think are Mox Opal, uh, is Mox Opal and it hits all of the, the artifact decks. But like, you know, Eldrazi Tron was a thing before Karn was a thing, right? Like it'll be fine, right? Like every deck playing Oko was a deck before Oko, right? So they'll, they'll just go back to their previous selves. So I think the big thing is the artifact deck, right? Is Affinity any good with Mox Opal gone? What what does Urza look like without an Opal? Uh, so those are kind of the decks that would get hit, like the Opal decks. Everything else was just a little off the top. It's like if they banned Fetchlands or something, right? Like everyone would just get hit by it. Some decks a little more, but everyone would be affected. What do you think about going after Opal, uh, Opal instead of going after something that more like narrowly targets the Urza deck, like Urza? Because really, like Affinity is not a problem right now. Affinity is not even necessarily a top tier deck right now. It is a deck. It is a decent deck, but it's not like Affinity. I don't know, needed to be punished by abandoning. It's pretty clear that the real problem were the Urza-based, Oko-based style of artifact decks, which were kind of just dominating the meta and dominating the format. Do you think that was the right banning? Like, I'm happy that Opal's gone because I feel like Modern is better with less fast mana, and Mox Opal, like, is so narrow that only one deck gets to take advantage of it, which is further awkward. But it does feel a little bit like maybe it, it it's banning happening now. Is it kind of dying for Urza's sins and Oko's sins to some extent? I think it's 100% necessary. I think it's, it's like Dredge. There is always an artifact-based combo deck in Modern, Right now, it happens to be Urza, but there will always be one, and Mox Opal is kind of one of the, the key problems. It's, it's like trying to fix Dredge. Like, they, they, they try to, like, take a little bit out, but not enough, and then, like, every couple sets, something comes in to make that archetype good again. Same with Opal, right? Like, you can ban Urza, and then maybe Opal decks will be okay until they print another semi-playable artifact somewhere then suddenly artifact decks are good again so by taking out opal you you go for the throat maybe urza is still a good deck so you're gonna have to hit urza again right but i think opal is perfectly fine it's like taking out looting uh i don't know like golgari grave troll like something like i don't know like bridge from below something like that where it's just sitting there and at any moment it could just like break the format so you just take it out and like don't bother with it yeah i mean i i am happy that it is gone i'm still it'll be interesting to see where urza's at now that mox opal and uh, to some extent oko which was a big piece of a decent number of uh the urza decks although urza decks did exist before oko too they just got more powerful with oko it'll be interesting to see if those decks are fair now and like healthy or if they are still 
on kind of like the high end of the the scale as far as power level? Are they still dominating the format? I do feel a little bad for like affinity and hardened scales. I think those are the decks that I don't want to see they're dead because so much is playable in modern. And I do think like you could probably still like cobble together an affinity deck, win some games with it, or cobble together a hardened scales deck, win some matches. But I do think they get hurt way, way more uh, than even the Urza decks because the main appeal, I think, to playing like Affinity is the speed of the deck. You're trying to essentially get free wins by killing your opponent really quickly and slowing down by like a turn by not having Mox Opal. I feel like, I don't know, like, do you think those decks can be truly competitive in modern without Mox Opal? I mean, choose your poison, right? Like, do you want to face an opposing Oko as a creature-based aggro deck? <laughs> or do you want to have a box Opal on your side, right? Like, I, I, I think it will definitely hurt Affinity, but I, I feel removing Oko kind of, like, frees it a little bit. I, I don't know. But I, I think if you're an Affinity player, you're not happy with this overall. Like, Opal was the reason to play the deck. It's probably not as good, but... I'm sure they'll they'll print something for Affinity <laughs> in an upcoming set eventually to make it a real deck again. And I and I do feel like uh, it will hurt the Urza decks uh, as well because I was watching coverage this weekend and there were some like turn two Urza games which are just absolutely insane. Thanks to like Gilded Goose makes an artifact, you play your Mox Opal, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and you just like have a turn two Oko and just run away with the game. So worst case, it should slow down those decks. Also hits on some of the like. Kethis combo style decks, which haven't really found their legs uh, completely in modern, but I don't mind like the loop artifacts from your graveyard style of decks going away either, because I I just think those are like relatively unfun style of combo decks to play against. So I think overall, I'm pretty happy with with all the BNR changes this time. Yeah. So so to your previous point, what do you think about these bannings slowing down modern to the speed of Pioneer? Like, are, are we just happening. making two of the same format? Like, what if they just kept all this in and just gave us, like, some Force of Wills or something so that you can go nuts and try to turn two combo someone and have really fast, explosive games? Pioneer is the more creature-based, mid-rangey style. Because if you slow down modern enough, it's just going to look like Pioneer, right? <laughs> I think that's, that is true. If you slow down modern enough, it is going to look like Pioneer, but I don't actually think that, uh, I don't think you can make modern into Pioneer with bannings, even if you wanted to. <laughs> because, like, even with these changes, if you look at the decks that are not hurt by these bannings that are still top tier, uh, the decks that immediately come to mind are like, uh, Devoted Drew combo decks, a turn, turn three combo, infinite mana combo deck, mono red blitz or prowess, which isn't a combo deck, but still kills incredibly quickly with like prowess creatures and a bunch of burn spells and mana morphoses. In fact, kind of just completely dodged the bullet, another turn three deck. Uh, and, ugh, there was one more I had on my list that I, oh, amulet titan, of course, which is another like turn two, turn three, primeval titan combo kill you deck. So, I think the speed of modern is going to be basically the same. Uh, I think you can even make the argument, even though I had to go, that maybe Oko helps slow down some of those decks a little bit with its defensive modes, even though I'm still very... I, like, it was just dominating the format, so it did have to go. But I don't actually think modern is going to be... Mm, much fairer or slower or even any fairer or slower. I think you just see different decks rise to the top and try to kill people on turn three. Yeah. Yeah. Mod is an interesting format. We've had so many bannings that I think it's time for like, I, I don't, I, we don't want no banless modern. We want like banless modern from like 2018 or 2017 because I want to see someone Hogak turn two and someone else is like opal oko your hogak nice elk <laughs> and then like i don't know we have like all these powerful cards and they keep getting banned but maybe they all kind of balance each other out but we don't know because they just keep getting banned left and right but and yeah we've hogak talked about summer this, versus like... elk elk winter i don't know <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be interesting to see what happens We've, we've talked about it a little bit, but I think it's possible that modern shifts a little more like legacy as we continue to get like modern horizon sets and pioneer maybe takes over more as the GP format. So maybe we get there eventually. I also think we could see more unbannings in the future. Like, I don't know. Splinter Twin seems like an easy one. I'm, I'm kind of the point with Splinter Twin now where it's like <laughs> I was with Stoneforge Mystic a year ago. I was like, like, seriously, what's the point? Why is this possibly, how could you even be scared of Splinter Twin in modern when you're getting like prime timed on turn two consistently? So 
Yeah, I, I think <laughs> the, 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 the most hilarious thing is Stoneforge Mystic, where what it does today is just get you an elk and then another elk. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I think the ship is, I think Splinter Twin is like super safe. It, it was from like a bygone era. Like if Jace came in and is like non-existent, if Bloodbraid Elf came in, is non-existent. Stoneforge Mystic came in is non-existent. I think Splinter Twin is fine. <laughs> like we, we we have crossed the threshold. We are in a different era of magic and modern. So release the twin. Yeah, uh, I would definitely be down with reevaluating some unbannings, especially of like fair-ish cards like twin. It's It might sound weird to consider twin fair, but I actually kind of think of it as a pretty fair combo compared to the speed of a lot of other combos. I think the other modern note from today is someone asked uh, Mero about another Modern Horizons, and I think because it was Modern Horizons 1 or MH1 that people assumed that there was a possibility of more Modern Horizons, but Mero basically said that uh, it was something that was very likely to happen. They thought that Modern Horizons was a success and that we would probably see more Modern Horizons in the future, so who knows what Modern will look like after that happens. Like, what? <sighs> Get I ready mean, this for is more pushed little... cards warping the entire metagame. <laughs> This is getting off topic, but do you do you want another Modern Horizons, Richard? Like we're kind of straying a little bit, but I'm curious. No, like the point of these older formats is that you can play decks that don't change. Like the meta game is not supposed to change every three weeks for these older formats, which is what's happening with Modern and Legacy. Uh, with like the basically every standard set because we're on like a power increase. Like the standard sets are affecting these older formats. The direct injections, like these formats are rotating quote-unquote rotating like every three weeks that's not the point the point of legacy was i can take my two-year-old deck all the cards still kind of work and maybe there's one or two upgrades but now it's like the whole thing is different so i don't like the super super pushed right like if you make a set of like 300 cards for it to be a success how many cards need to see play 20 10 15 right like that just will change the entire metagame right so it will happen, right? If they release a Modern Horizons, the whole metagame will shift, and then we will get things like Red and Six, Urza, stuff like that. And then in addition to just strong standard cards making it into the older formats, so it it's just like another rotating format. Like, I don't want all these rotating formats, right? I have standard. I don't want to rotate my Modern and Legacy deck every couple months because all the cards are obsolete. It's so tough. I mean, I think when I look at Modern Horizons the first go-around, Yes, it did do that to modern, but then like further below the surface, there's all these like goblins and Nibmizit and Yagmoth and like all these decks that I think are like slivers getting some new tribe members to like be improved and actually be good. So like lower down in the format, I feel like Modern Horizons did a lot of good. The problem is like this handful of really pushed cards. Like if it was just propping up goblins and these underplayed archetypes, I think it would be awesome. The problem is like, to sell Modern Horizons, I think, especially from Wizards' perspective, you kind of need, like, Urzas and other, like, broken cards that are probably really push or running sixes, because who's going to buy, you know, an expensive product because it's got Godbrown Matron or whatever? Like, <laughs> no one's going to buy it if you don't push the card. So, I, I don't know. I think, overall, I'm still happy with Modern Horizons, despite the fact that it broke the format. I hope if they do return, though, maybe they can find a way to, like, still make the set exciting and sell without without breaking, like, the top end of the format with a handful of just, like, really busted cards. I mean, if they released it at, like, a dollar a pack, <laughs> then they're like, wow, the best card is an uncommon. <laughs> but they gotta sell packs. They gotta sell packs, right? And it has, in order to sell packs, it has to make a big impact. So the only other way is, like, they print cards that are good for Commander, but somehow not good for Modern in Modern Horizons, so that, you know, casual players will actually eat it up, but it won't affect Modern, but that just seems weird. Maybe they go with more legacy staples. Maybe they go more reprinty. Like, what do you think of the idea of, now that Pioneer's a supported thing, of trying intentionally to make Modern more legacy-like? Uh, like, what about going that direction and trying to, like, have Modern be no reserveless legacy almost, putting, like, Force of Wills and those kind of cards in the format? I think that's where it needs to go. I, I think slowing it down to be more Pioneer-like is wrong. I think speeding it up, or not speeding it up, but leaving our broken things, but giving us answers. So, like, Force of Will, like, one mana spells, right? Like, the problem is our answers are too slow. So if you accelerate into one of these broken cards, 
you know, you, you have no recourse, right? Like one or two mana planeswalker hate, one or two mana counter spells, like things like that, uh, to, to help fix this. But I don't know how you would do that though. Like legacy is not balanced, right? Legacy is clearly a blue based format. If you print force of will, you're going to shift modern into a blue based format, right? So I don't know how you would like, what are you going to print? Like, um, oh, what's that? What's that? What's that one Phyrexian mana counter spell that is oh, banned? Oh, metal, metal Yeah, like if you do something that where every color can play it, then every color will play it, and you just like reduced the deck size of every deck. So I don't know how they would actually fix this, but I do think going towards legacy would be more correct because you would actually have distinct play styles across your different formats as opposed to one being Pioneer Plus or one being Modern Light or something like that. And I think that is important to Wizards because when I was watching coverage this weekend, they had uh, Gavin on for one round and he was talking about how the Fetchland uh, banning in Pioneer, one of the biggest reasons or upsides from Wizards' perspective was to differentiate between Pioneer and Modern and have the formats feel. It wasn't necessarily, like he did mention like new players and shuffling, but the primary concern was to make those formats uh, feel different different than each other. So I think that's something that's on Wizards' radar, too, is they do want Modern and Pioneer to feel different, and they don't want it to head in that direction of the formats being, like, too similar or feeling like each other too much. So, Yeah. Uh, all right, we got to talk about spoilers. Before One last Modern thing before we move on. Uh, you're going to a Modern tournament this weekend, let's say. What are you picking up in this new post-band uh, Modern world? <laughs> Tell you what I'm not picking up. Judd. <laughs> 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 but uh, I, I have no idea. I haven't played Modern in months. I have. I, I suspect Urza is still a good deck. That's what I'm going to suspect, but I don't know. Yeah, I would not be surprised to see a Primeval Titan deck immediately shoot to the top. You still got Field of the Dead. You still have uh, the Amulet-style deck. I don't know if it'll be like Titan Shifty or Amulet-y, but I would probably try to figure out which Primeval Titan deck was uh, the best in the fastest and try to play that. If if the goal was winning the tournament and not just to like play something fun and janky. <laughs> the goal is to sit down and get locked out by your opponent immediately. <laughs> I have accomplished that. <laughs> Uh, all right, so let's uh, transition a little bit from modern and bannings to sweet new Theros Beyond Death cards. We got the full set, Richard, before we talk about individual cards. We've seen the whole thing now. Power level-wise, how do you think this compares to uh, Throne of Eldraine? Throne of Eldraine, we all agreed, was really pushed. Is Theros Beyond Death mm. on that same level of pushedness? This is tough. I'm going to say kind of yes. I, I don't know. Like these cards, I have a really hard time evaluating any of these cards in the set because everything just looks so good. So, <laughs> and even if you stack them up against the Eldraine cards, like it's not bad, but I mean, we'd still do have things like Questing Beast and stuff sitting around, but I think it's, it's a good shot, right? I, I think it's a good shot to see like big metagame shifts and a lot of Theros cards being played. Uh, cars do look powerful in a vacuum. Now we'll see how the colors line up and what people end up playing, but it looks it looks good. I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes too. I think it. There's nothing that jumps out to me to be Oko or Once Upon a Time where you're like, oh my god, this is probably gonna have to get banned. Even though, to be fair, and I said this on Twitter, and some people pointed out, a lot of people, including myself, were not super high on Oko when it was first spoiled. So maybe there's something like beneath the surface that we're missing. But I don't see anything at first glance that makes me think, oh my god, this is gonna have to be banned in standard. But I do think if you cut out like Once Upon a Time and Oko, the like broken cards from Throne of Alderaan, I really think that Theros Beyond Death is pretty similar in terms of power level, and I'm hopeful, too, that we're going to see a lot of these cards show up, hopefully immediately, and shake up the metagame, but... I mean, anyway. I, I think a lot of these cards are like Oko, right? So when we initially saw Oko, we were all like, yeah, it's good. And then that was kind of it, right? Well, at first it was like, what was a food token? But we're, yeah. <laughs> we're like, yeah, it's like it looks pretty good, right? It looks like a pretty good card that we'll see play, but we didn't know how good it would be, but it looked pretty pretty good just looking at it a lot of the theros cards look the same right you look at it you're like how did they print this this looks really good it's probably gonna be really good but it's gonna depend on the kind of the supporting crew and things like that right but it would not shock me if in this batch of cards we have something that will utterly dominate standard but uh it's kind of hard to tell from now right but there are some cards where we're like question mark question mark is this balanced right so yeah, that, that is true. And I think I'm a little concerned about aristocrat strategies. Uh, they got a lot of support and they have already been since the last round of bannings, like the best deck in standard, essentially. I really feel like wizards 
Wizards, like, was planting the seeds for Aristocrats and Standard with Throne of Valderain with, like, Cat Oven. You got, like, Corvald and the Brawl Decks, which who knows if they even thought that would be a Standard card. But I felt like they were kind of, like, planting the seeds. And then they gave us these pieces, like, Woe Strider is a card that you're like, wow, that is the perfect card for an Aristocrats deck. So I think that was the goal to, like, plant the seeds and then have Aristocrats be a deck after Theros Beyond Death released. But because of the bannings and because of maybe, like, Corvald being better than expected for a Brawl card i'm a little worried that aristocrats is just going to be like really busted after theros beyond death releases yeah we'll we'll see we'll see there there's a lot of broken cards so let's start with some cards that may be broken we got a couple more mythics uh this week well we got the full set so you can check it all out at mtgpreview.com but let's start with the mythics we have croxa titan of death's hunger Black and a red, 6-6, six, six, legendary creature, Elder Giant. When Krosa enters the battlefield, sacrifice it unless it escaped. Whenever Krosa enters the battlefield or attacks, each opponent discards a card. Then each opponent who didn't discard a non-land card this way loses 3 life. Escape, black, black, red, red, exile 5 other cards from your graveyard. Hmm. I mean, it's obviously good. I think it is, uh, I mean, it's a 6-6 a six, six for 4, essentially, if you can escape it. Uh, it has a fine enter the battlefield trigger. I think I'm a little less excited for it than I am for Euro. I think the enter the battlefield slash attack trigger is uh, better on Euro than it is with uh, Croaxa. So I don't know, but I feel like both of the Elder Giants are definitely super playable. Uh, they're the closest things we've had to the original Titans in Standard since the original Titans. So I don't. Do you think this is a potentially broken card, Richard? It looks really good, but I don't. I don't know. Depends if you can escape very well in Rakdos, right? But it's a 6-6. Six, six. It could attack for 9. or it, It's basically like a Inferno Titan, right? It comes in, it hits them for potentially 3, and then it could potentially attack for 9. So if you can meet the requirements, it does a lot of damage. And otherwise, it's just like a weird discard spell. Like, that's not terrible, right? Like, just like red, black, discard. So I don't know. It's kind of like the, the other Titan. Uh, I think our Titan, our our spoiler Euro is better, but I think this one has a shot as well. Yeah, I, I think uh, Crocs is also something I'm excited for in older formats. Like, I could see maybe, like, 8-rack style decks in modern being able to take advantage of it. You could just, like, fill your graveyard with your thought seizes and stuff, and then your opponent's going to be empty-handed, so this is just, like, a really fast clock for closing out the game, like a backup win condition. So definitely excited to see what it can do uh, in older formats as well. All right. Next up, we have Calyx, Destiny's Hand. Legendary Planeswalker Calyx, two green and a white, four CMC, four starting loyalty, plus one, look at the top four cards of your library, you may reveal an enchantment card from among them and put that card in your hand, put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order, minus three, exile target creature or enchantment you don't control until target enchantment you control leaves the battlefield. Minus seven, return all enchantment cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. I actually think that Calyx is pretty bad. (laughs) I mean, I think like if you're playing, I don't know, Enchantress and Commander or something, it's probably fine, but I'm actually not very high on this card. The plus one, what would have sold me on it is if it was like uh, Vivian Reed, where if the plus one was enchantment or land... I think you're very likely to whiff a lot with Calyx and have that not actually draw you cards. And then I'm very worried about the negative three because I think people are going to be prepared for enchantments. We already have people playing like disenchant style effects because of Fires of Invention, Witches Oven. We're going to have even more potentially thanks to all these pushed enchantments in Theros. So I don't know if that's actually that consistent of removal. So I'm actually, I don't know. I think like, I'm glad it's not super pushed like Oko, but I actually am not sure this card will even see any play in standard this is tesseret this is you don't you don't like (laughs) jam this into your fair deck right like you need to be playing an all-out enchantment deck for this to be a card and i think it's it's pretty good like if you have only one enchantment yeah your opponent's like one main deck way of dealing with your enchantments might get you but if you just have a ton of enchantments like they're gonna run out right and you keep drawing so i think if you play this in I don't know, like a Doom Foretold deck, like Abzan. I don't know how you would do this. <laughs> Maybe like a 4C Dance of the Mance deck or something. Like you just overload it with enchantments and things like that. You could get there, but I think it's a Tezzeret. Okay. I think it's a Tezzeret. Okay. You don't just put this in your fair decks. You, you have to just overload the battlefield with enchantments. You have to have enchantment creatures and things like that. Um, 
But yeah, I, definitely does not look like Oko. I don't think this will be our Oko, but it could be a Tezzeret. It could be a role player in enchantment decks. Okay, I, I, I can buy that. I think maybe like a two of in an enchantment heavy deck. I think my main concern is, I'm trying to remember the exact math. I think you need like 28-ish enchantments to have like an 80% chance of drawing a card with the plus one. So I think the question is going to be, are there decks that are that enchantment heavy to really be able to turn that plus one into mostly draw a card every single turn or as close to that as possible? Possible. Maybe we get there because of enchantments creatures and stuff, though. And like you said, Doom foretold his already deck with a lot of enchantments. So maybe there is the right shell that can do it. But I think it's going to be harder to make this good than just sticking in a random like mid range deck or something. Yeah. All I know is I'm going to open two of these during my pre release. <laughs> and they're like, what are your bombs? Well, they're sitting in my sideboard. It's Calyx. <laughs> you just, you just got to snag some, uh, some gods to go with it or something. And you I, I, I still don't think that's worth it to play. <laughs> to play Calyx. All right. Uh, Shatter the Sky. It's a rare two white, white sorcery. Each player who controls a creature with power four or greater draws a card, then destroy all creatures. So I think this is one of the best cards in the set for standard. I also don't know why our rest got to come with a drawback. Like, with all these push creatures, is it, can we really just not have like Day of Judgment or Wrath of God? Is that just like off limits? We gotta let our, our questing beast opponent draw a card after they play their creature with a million lines attacks and haste and all that stuff? <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel, I, I know, I think Format of Wrath is too good still. Um, just because I know you never play aggro deck Seth, but when you play creatures <laughs> and you know they have a Format of Wrath, like you can't do anything, right? You, you, you just slow roll your creatures and they just use, spot removal and you get nowhere or you flood the board and you get four mana wrath and you lose the game so four mana wrath puts you in a hard spot i still think this is a really good card i don't think it matters that they draw a card like how many four power four more creatures will they have and if you're a control deck you want to just make it to the late game so just giving them a card or two is not the end of the world it's kind of like and settle the wreckage so i think it, this is actually really good it's worth mentioning that uh it's only one card no matter how many they have to Oh, that's right. Yeah, this is this is really good. And then, like, if you have a god that's indestructible, you get to draw a card, right? Like, so I think this is actually really good because we have things like planeswalkers that draw cards basically every turn. So giving your opponent one turn or one extra card is not as impactful when you, the control deck, can draw multiple cards every turn, right? And just stabilizing is enough. So I really like this card for control decks. As an aggro player, I don't know. This might be too good. <laughs> I mean, we already, there's already Kaya's Wrath. I guess the upside of Shatter the Sky is that this is much easier for decks to cast. Like, Jeskai Fires can't play Kaya's Wrath or whatever. A blue white control can't play it. So this fits into a lot more decks. Um, I, and I do think it can be an upside to blow things up. Like, you might have one creature that dies. You get to draw a card. Your opponent gets to draw a card. So I do think the card is going to be very strong. Personally, I'm not really worried about it getting too strong. Like, we're in a world with the Titans uh, that are coming back. We have Rod Regisars is like three mana seven power creatures. I'm not especially worried about like, oh, it's going to be too good for standard. Because you like slow mid-rangey decks that draw cards. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's true. Unfortunately, uh, it does not draw a card if I blow up my Yarak with it, so that's a bummer. <laughs> oh, but that's gonna... Oh, what, what is the, the Boros Wrath? Like, the, the Justice Strike, that Solar Blaze. Like, Solar Blaze oh. is hilarious for Mana Wrath when you play the the one two night you're like nice nice wrath but now 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 jeskai decks will actually have a real wrath to play on four cmc and i did have a bunch of people tell me like oh i'm gonna play this with gideon i can play my gideon it's a four power creature i can make another creature indestructible i don't actually think that that i mean maybe in your sideboard or something but i don't think you want to be i don't think you want to be white weenie playing uh, Shatter the Sky in the main deck. That seems a little <laughs> counterintuitive to me, no matter how cool it is when it actually works out. You, you like, unbreakable formation, then Shatter the Sky. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> we can get there. <laughs> All right, next up, Bronze Hide Lion, Green White, 3-3 three, three, Creature Cat. So 2CMC, 3-3. Three, three. Green White, Bronze Hide Lion, gains indestructible until end of turn. When Bronze Hide Lion dies, return it to the battlefield. It's an aura enchantment with enchant creature you control gets green white enchanted creature, gains indestructible until end of turn, and it loses all other abilities. The the cat loses abilities. 
So, obviously, callback to Fleecemane Lion, which I've actually been playing lately. Tonight's budget magic is uh, is Cats for Pioneer, so it's a Fleecemane Lion deck. And I've been wondering, like, is this as good as Fleecemane Lion? If you just compare those side by side, how do you think they are power level? Because Fleecemane was very good in its time in Standard. Uh, do you think Bronzehide is going to be similarly good? No, I think this is terrible. <laughs> okay, first of all, like if this was printed during Fleece Main's time, maybe, right? But a two mana three three is like nothing nowadays. And the whole point of Fleece Main line was like you you waited for an opening where your opponent tapped out and then you monstrous and you were done with it. You didn't have to like deal with this anymore. But here you always have to keep two mana up. And that's pretty difficult. Like I don't know. I think just a two mana three three is not that strong. Uh, this card I think could see play, but I don't think it will like dominate or anything like that. It just seems like an okay creature. Yeah, I think I pretty much agree with you. I don't think it's actually that good. It feels kind of like a bad Adanto Vanguard, like an Adanto Vanguard yeah. where you have to leave up two mana every turn instead of just spending some life. So. I think that is kind of rough. The other thing is, I don't know what Selesnya deck will play this. Like, if you look at decks that could play this in Standard, most Selesnya decks are either adventure-based, and this obviously doesn't draw you a card with Edgewall and Keeper or whatever, or they're, like, go-wide token decks, and this doesn't really fit in, like, a March of the Multitudes, trying to go super wide. So I don't know where this fits in Standard, and I don't think a 3-3 for 3, it's no longer the days when Watch Wolf was printed, and people are like, oh my god, <laughs> two mana 3-3. Three, three. Uh, things have changed a lot over the past, like, ten years of Magic, or whatever it was. So. Yeah, and it doesn't have Hexproof, which is a big deal, right? Like, this is a a god set so you expect people to have ways to deal with indestructible things so yeah you're just gonna banishing light bronze hide line and you'll be sad <laughs> uh next up we have shadow spear one generic mana so one cmc legendary artifact equipment equipped creature gets plus one plus one it has trample and lifelink one permanence your opponent's control lose hexproof and indestructible until end of turn two mana to equip I think this is the best equipment we've had printed since New Phyrexia. Whoa, uh, whoa, I think this whoa, card whoa. is. <laughs> Embercleave has something to say about this. <laughs> move, move over, Embercleave. <laughs> I mean, so I don't think this will be a four of main deck card like Embercleave, but I think this card's very, very good. Uh, I'm mostly excited for it in Pioneer, honestly. There's been a bunch of Pioneer decks that are based around uh, equipment, like SROM-style decks, and there's literally not an equipment that gives lifelink in the format. That's just not something that exists in all of Pioneer, and uh, it's a really big deal for strategies like that. It's also really sweet for Commander, where we already have the permanent lose hex proof and indestructible effect, but this is on equipment. It's a lot easier for some decks. Uh, Stoneforge Mystic decks, for example, to find this. Also, maybe this can be an answer to Lotus Field in Pioneer. As far as standard is concerned, I mean, it's a nice sideboard card to deal with gods, I guess. We do have some equipment synergies, like Fervent Champion. I don't know. This one, mostly for me, I'm hyped because of Pioneer and also Commander, although I think it's probably, like, okay in Standard. I think it's really good in Standard, and I don't think it has to do with <laughs> its, uh, its one ability. So the, the important thing is you don't even have to equip it. You don't even need a creature, right? <laughs> like, you could be a control deck, play this, and then use the one ability to remove Hexproof and Indestructible, but... I think the lifelink and trample is a huge, huge deal. Like, just imagine your opponent plays, like, Lovestruck Beast and then, like, suits it up with this. Like, good luck, like, any creature mirror where you don't have the same thing going on, right? Or, uh... And then Embercleave on it, too. Embercleave. And you're, just, you're done. Rotting Regisaur. <laughs> like, we get really big vanilla creatures nowadays without the trample. And the only thing keeping them balanced is the lack of trample, right? So I will gladly pay a card... Uh, which will give me Trample and Lifelink. Like, locks it on Warhammer is one of my favorite commander cards, and now I get to play in Standard. So get ready to get smashed by, like, Questing Beasts and Lovestruck Beasts and Rotting Regisaurs and stuff, equipping a spear. I think this actually compares pretty favorably to uh, locks it on Warhammer, really, just because it's so much cheaper, even though it's legendary. Uh, just being so much cheaper to cast, I think, is a pretty big deal. It's not that hard to, uh, like, play your, like you said, Riding Regisar or whatever, and then play and equip this in the same turn on, like, turn three or turn four. And against aggro, it seems like that just wins a game. You get yeah, it and you like, gain eight and hit your opponent. Like, what are they going to do? Like, that's just game over, essentially. Yeah, I mean, people are going to have to main deck 
artifact hate for this. Like, I think this just throws all aggro and mid-range matches into like a weird spiral. And then it, the upside, you just randomly kill gods, right? Like that's the upside. <laughs> yeah, and that is a nice little bonus. Uh, all right, next up, we have Eidolon of Obstruction. One in a white enchantment creature. It's a 2-1. First strike, loyalty abilities of planeswalkers your opponents control cost one more to activate. I like the idea of this card. I like a hate bear for planeswalkers. I don't know if it goes far enough to actually see play. I guess, like, I think how this plays out is it basically makes your opponent play their first planeswalker or the early game planeswalkers off curve essentially uh, since you can't really afford to just play them and then have it getting beaten down is that enough to make this card playable i almost wish it was like two mana instead of one mana or even just would it be too good if it was just like loyalty abilities on planeswalkers can't be activated period i would prefer that or i would prefer a higher tax like three <laughs> right but i like, Planeswalker abilities are free, so, like, you might eat up a turn, but, like, unless they're playing Super Friends, was it really worth it to play, like, a 2-mana <laughs> 2-1 that, like, like really barely taxes them? Like, it's not a strong yeah, enough I, tax. I, I mean, I, I think this is the first time we've really seen a hate bear for Planeswalkers, so maybe they went a little conservative this time, but yeah, I think that's kind of my problem. I think I like the idea of what it's trying to do. A hate bear for planeswalker sounds really cool. I just don't think a tax of one is enough to actually make this worth it, especially since we have such powerful planeswalkers like the Nissas and Varaskas and Vivians of the world. Yeah, maybe they got to play off curve for a turn, but then they all just deal with this. Once you untap with Nissa, you have like 10 mana anyway. <laughs> so what's paying an extra one to activate your Nissa? Like, you don't even care. Like, Frosca just kills it or Vivian can fight it. So I don't know. I, I Do you think it'll see play anywhere? No. I mean, yeah. maybe maybe it's some weird enchantment deck, like a Calyx deck or something, right? Because it is an enchantment creature. Like, you just want to do one first strike. <laughs> like, who, like, that's just bad, right? Like, if this thing... Like you could add more keywords, I still wouldn't play. It could have flying, right? It could have, <laughs> <laughs> it could have lifelink. Like it's not good enough, right? Like it needs to be stronger. Like I, I'd rather see like a death touching four planeswalker creature, where it's like I say, it's a two mana two one first strike, and if it hits the planeswalker, it kills it. Like I think that would be appropriate planeswalker hate. Uh, but that would be sweet. This I think is like a two mana two one first strike does not cut it. In standard, so I don't think, and this ability like taxes your opponent maybe twenty percent of the time because they actually have to have a planeswalker, and then even then, like the tax is like mostly irrelevant because the planeswalker ability is free. So eh. yeah, yeah. Well, maybe next time, maybe we get a better Eidolon in the future. And then but let's put it this way: sweet. if Oko is in the format, would you be sideboarding Eidolons of obstructions in or no? <laughs> no, no, I I would not. <laughs> I really think it wouldn't be too strong if it just acts, uh, actually locked down Planeswalker abilities. Like, make your opponent kill it with something. Kind of like a, a two-mana creature version of uh, the Immortal Sun. Like, I think that would be a fine card. And I would actually probably play that at least as a sideboard card in some metas. Yeah. Or or even like a Banishing Light or something for Planeswalkers. Like a... Ooh, like a like a Fiend Hunter or whatever. Yeah, like a Fiend Hunter. Yeah, like a two-mana two-one. That would two be one. sweet. <laughs> So, yeah, you get your Planeswalker back and maybe even more loyalty if you get to kill this, right? So there's downside, but it's actually a strong hate card. Uh, all right, last one we're going to talk about. Uh, Thassa's Oracle. Blue, blue. Creature, Merf Merfolk Wizard. It's a 1-3. When Thassa's Oracle enters the battlefield, look at the top X cards of your library where X is your devotion to blue. Put up to one of them on top of your library and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. If X is greater than or equal to the number of cards in your library, you win the game. So this looks like an against odds card because it's a alternate win condition and it probably will be an against odds card, but I actually think that this card might be pretty good. To me, this feels like probably a better version of Laboratory Maniac, yeah. which is already really heavily played in a lot of formats because you don't have to worry about Thassa's Oracle dying in response to like drawing your last card. You just win with the Enter the Battlefield trigger. So I think this will see a lot of play in Commander for sure, like alongside Lab Maniac or replacing it. And I think it has potential in other formats. Like all you got to do is empty your library. It's as simple as that. Like get the cards out of your library, cast this, 
and you're basically guaranteed to win the game. Well, I mean, you, you need to worry about it dying, right? If you have no other permanence and they kill this, then you get to draw zero. But it says if it's equal to or greater than. So even devotion of zero would be equal oh. to zero cards in your library. So oh, even if they kill just, it, yeah, this is you strictly still better than Lab Maniac in every way, then, right? Yeah, that's essentially, yeah, a little cheaper to cast and doesn't die in response, or you still win if it dies in response, so. Yeah, but I don't know. I feel, uh, like, is there some way to get infinite devotion? Like, <laughs> because if you're just drawing your whole deck, like, I, this is not as interesting to me, because it's like you're just replacing Lab Man with Thassa's Oracle into existing shells. But if there's a combo to actually get devotion enough to draw your entire deck, then this card is unique. Yeah. Hmm. This thing is also yeah, I, a wizard. We've, that's it like is a a relevant, a relevant creature type. <laughs> we actually played a pioneer deck that was built around like Risen Reef and Master of Waves, and the <laughs> end game was winning with with Jace Wielder of Mysteries from drawing your entire deck. And it was actually it's a deck that's like five would before, and this seems like a really easy upgrade for that deck at least. Yeah. All right. I think those are all the cards we're going to talk about individually. Um, as as a set as a whole, what do you think, Seth? How, how, what do you think of the escape mechanic now that we've seen kind of all the cards with escape on them? I really like the escape mechanic. I think it's a very strong mechanic, but it's very strong in a way that it can be hated on uh, by playing graveyard hate. And we did get a ton of graveyard hate in the set, so uh, I'm pretty hyped for it. I think it's going to be very powerful. But it does have that nat- uh, natural safety valve where people can prevent you from escaping your stuff if they want to. I actually think escape is too strong, and I think we're going to see bannings or at least metagame warping in some of the older formats. I, I would have liked to see if you escaped once, then it's it. Like you have to exile it. But because you can escape infinite number of times, this feels like a hogak to me. It feels like, hey guys, the safety valve is it needs a lot of cards from your graveyard. And as you know, Dredge and Hogak has shown us time and time again, it is not that difficult to fill your graveyard. And the fact that you can just keep playing these cards over and over and over again also sounds like Hogak, right? But you know, you can just keep going. So as long as you can fill your graveyard. I feel like we're going to have a problem in older formats. In standard, it's probably slow enough that your graveyard hate can catch up. Uh, but I, I think there's going to be a problem with this mechanic. It just seems too good. It's just infinite, right? Like, since when does graveyard size matter in, in Magic? Maybe maybe Underworld Breach. I think that's a card that I would say is most likely to actually be problematic in older formats. I don't know, like... Are, like, the Titans going to be problematic? Like, sure, it's a... I mean, what's the end result? You get a 6-6 with some sweet triggers for 4 mana? Is that even, like, busted by the standards of older formats? I I don't know. I feel like all the, the really good escape guards are kind of costed in a way that makes them good for standard, but I don't know if they're, like, super exciting. Like, 4 mana for a 6-6 in modern or something, like... I, I don't know. Like, sure, cast it a bunch of times. Like, is that really that powerful? Yeah, no, but I, I, I do think uh, the Pass and Flames, Escape from the Underworld, is is that card. That um, might be most likely to be banned. But there, there's got to be, like, something <laughs> stupid. Like, you know when Murder's Cut was being played in Modern and things like that? Like, there's got to be, like, just some random uncommons and commons and stuff that that just like sneak in there because the mechanic is so strong right like there's just no cost like Tassiger, Gurmag Angler like those type of cards where you looked at it no one played them in standard but they found their ways into older formats well except Tassiger Tassiger was played and there are some uh, enchantments that have really cheap and low escape costs that like give things haste and stuff like that so maybe some of those could actually be like combo pieces and stuff so that's that's a good point even if like the titans maybe you're not going to be busted in older formats there might be something like floating a little bit beneath the surface that could be yeah and we get another cycle of gods everyone loves gods uh so i think the set is looking pretty good i'm i'm curious <laughs> I'm curious to see like how it shakes up. Eldraine was a powerful set. Theros is a powerful set. What will happen? Who will win? I don't know. I will say that I actually didn't like original Theros that much. Uh, it was okay, but I I actually don't really like it that much. I feel like this set is a much uh, more appealing representation of Theros for me. I think one of the problems with original Theros is... I was hyped for, like, an enchantment set, and then it was, like, enchantment creatures and bestow, and there weren't 
really hardly any good actual enchantments, and I feel like they went out of the way with these, like, enchantments that feel like spells, and enigmatic incarnation, and, like, actual sagas, like, actual enchantment enchantments, rather than, uh, like, uh, our creatures are enchantments, so we're an enchantment set, so I feel like they did a really good job uh, fixing that issue, and I'm way more excited for this set than uh, I was for original Theros. Uh, I don't know. The original Theros was pretty hype. I, 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 I am, was a big, like, Greek mythology nerd. So the top-down design of both sets is really, really, really good. So, like, regardless of how the set plays and whether it's bad or not, it is just cool to, like, play Titans. It's cool to play Achilles. It's cool to play Gods. Uh, not too many Minotaurs this time around. Uh, but it's just, like all of the Greek mythology things, like it feels like a really, really good set. And I think it will appeal to non-magic players. Something like Eldraine, I think is kind of a nod more to magic players, but I think like some kid who's just interested in Greek mythology or something could pick up this set. So the top down design wise, I think it's really good. And I think it's just as good as Theros, but Theros was special because it was the first time visiting, kind of like the first time visiting Innistrad was like really, really cool. Um, but yeah, I think I think the set is really solid and the top down design from Magic is always top notch. Yeah, they do a great job with the the top down designs and yeah, I'm really excited for it. Like I, I'm really hopeful it's gonna shake up standard and I think it's gonna shake up Pioneer as well and maybe even modern, like with a few cards, which I guess isn't outside the the norm anymore. That kinda happens every set we were talking about earlier, but yeah, I think it's gonna have a pretty big impact on constructed formats and I can't wait to actually get to start playing with the cards. Yeah. Side note, I played in the arena qualifier this weekend and I haven't <laughs> played standard since like six weeks ago or four weeks ago standard is exactly the same as i remembered it like no <laughs> card was changed whatsoever i played like a couple of warm-up matches i'm like these are literally the same decks and exact <laughs> configurations i played uh like a month ago so uh it'll, it'll be a nice uh breath of fresh air to <laughs> to get a, a new in- injection into standard yeah that'll definitely be exciting and uh, hopefully it'll be a good thing for the format. I think it will be. All right. Uh, let's move on to fish mail. Yeah, let's fish mail it up. All right. If you have questions, send them to at MTGGoldfish with the hashtag MGFishmail, and we get to your questions on air. FunkFU749. Given all the life gain, control, and big creatures that have been popping up lately, do you think it's likely we'll see better burn spells printed soon, like Lightning Bolt? Ooh. Um, ha. I don't think we'll see actual lightning bolt in standard. I don't know. Mono red has been so good for so long that maybe it's fine if that style of deck isn't good for a year of standard after it's just been like top tier for like four years in a row or something. But I would be fine with more like maybe more wizards lightning style effects like lightning bolt with a downside. I'm also not sure that I want lightning bolt in pioneer, which is another reason I would be a little skeptical of printing it in standard. Yeah, but I, I do see the point. Like, creatures are so big nowadays. <laughs> like, a lightning bolt may not be enough. So, I think giving red decks a little more edge is not the end of the world. So, I, I, I would like to see a lightning bolt. Hmm. We had, yeah, we've had close no. things, like Wizard's Lightning. Wizard's Lightning, Skewer the Critics. We've had, like, yeah, the twists on lightning bolts. I think more of those are fine, but... I just, I think my main concern is Pioneer. I think Red is already like the best deck in Pioneer and it's using Wild Slash or whatever as its bird spell. I feel like if it gets Lightning Bolt, it's going to be too good for the format. I mean, but it's, it's time, Seth. How, like once every like eight years or something, <laughs> it, <laughs> Lightning Bolt must return to standard. And we, I mean, we they have gave giant us- growth. We, we giant got giant growth. growth. We got Atlanta War Elves, which we yeah. got a four mana wrath. There's a lot of stuff that was too good for standard that's returning now. So, yeah, maybe it'd be fine. I mean, I'm not like fully against it. I'm mostly just concerned about Pioneer. I think I- I'm but waiting I think for the-, the upgraded Lightning Bolt. <laughs> <laughs> four damage for one mana. <laughs> All right, Bills fan six four seven three. Why do Yu Gi Oh and Magic players hate each other so much? The games are fairly similar and are played by on a competitive level by basically the same kind of people. Yet it's like cats and dogs. I didn't know that Magic players and Yu Gi Oh players hated each other. Is that a thing? Is that like a known a known rivalry or something? Know. I don't even know any Yu Gi Oh players. <laughs> I, mean, so. I mean, I don't even know how to play Yu Gi Oh honestly. <laughs> yeah, so. so I I I don't know. Maybe it's just. I think it's just one of those things where it's like 
you have a hobby, someone else has a similar hobby, therefore yours is better. And there's like this little kind of like back and forth, but it's it's childish, right? I don't know. If you take it seriously, it's like super childish, but I don't know that this is a thing. I don't know that you would go to a Yu-Gi-Oh hall or something and be like, magic is the best and like run around. <laughs> I mean, but, you don't even yeah. have to because everyone everyone knows that magic is better than Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh, so. shots fired. Now all the Yu-Gi-Oh, <laughs> the, the, the Yu-Gi-Oh podcast going to come over, <laughs> take over a comment section. <laughs> Though I've never played Yu-Gi-Oh. I should learn how to play Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, I should probably do that, too. Maybe I'll just watch the show. Does the show teach you anything about how to play? <laughs> I'm guessing no, but... <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Yagmoth's Vile Offering. Futuristic question for you. Zendikar Rising comes out this fall. We know it's the story of how Zendikar defeated the Eldrazi and are now flourishing. To reflect the story in the cards, do you think they'll print Eldrazi hate cards? Think of Infernal Reckoning from M19 as an example. Why was Wait. Infernal Reckoning even in M19? Wait, do do we know that Zendikar is going to be an Eldrazi set? We don't. Oh, but we know we know we do know it's a Zendikar set. I'm I'm positive it will not be an Eldrazi set though. Given all of the hoopla from uh, Return to Battle for Zendikar, which was Return to like Rise of the Eldrazi or something, <laughs> <laughs> like they they will not they will not do an influx of Eldrazi. I don't think. I hope it's not an Eldrazi set, but I do think, like, it's definitely possible, even if it's not an Eldrazi set, that there are some, like, callback cards, maybe something that could see playing modern to fight against Eldrazi, so I wouldn't be surprised if there was some sort of Eldrazi hate card, but I hope it's not another, like, hey, it's Emrakul and Ulamog and Kozilek again. Yeah, we were so ready for, like, surprise, the Titans are Phyrexian. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I I don't know. I, I think there there will be a time, but I think it will be in an Eldrazi set. Um, and I don't think that Zendikar Rising is the Eldrazi set, but we haven't seen Eldrazi for a while, right? So that's true. It's they're waiting. They're coming. <laughs> they're hanging out on the moon. So we answered this one already, but we'll just throw it out there. Daniel Harad, do you think Pioneer would be better format with Lightning Bolt, or do you think that's one of the things to keep it different from Modern? And Seth's answer is no i think it would be worse yeah um next question oblivion sn i've been starting to do well in fnms and other smaller rel events and want to try to further the game but my job in school keep me busy q1 and q3 yearly to play with how comp play has been lately do you think i can even attempt it so i think something to maybe consider is the scg tour I know the SCG tour, and uh, I think that GPs are sort of working this way because you can, like, spike a GP and qualify for a pro tour. But the SCG tour uh, goes by season. So in theory, as long as you can, like, play heavily during one season and do really well in it, you can qualify for, uh, like, the big end-of-year events, the Invitational, the Players' Championship. So I think maybe that's something to consider. You don't necessarily have to play every single season. If you can just do really good in one season or uh, in, like, Official Wizards OP, like spike a GP will get you to the pro tour, the players tour or whatever. Uh, so maybe that's the thing to focus on rather than trying to grind for the whole year. Just take a quarter when you are not as busy and uh, see what happens. Like play as many tournaments as you can and hope for the best. Yeah. I think that advice is really good. Uh, if your goal is to, to be the best magic player, right? To play like the strongest opponents and to be the best magic players. If your goal is to like make a career out of this, and play magic i would actually look more towards something like streaming or content creation or something along those lines because competitive magic is in a weird spot even wizards doesn't know what's going on with it so and it's really really hard like the readiness of the game and things like that so if you're just like oh i just want to play magic full-time i think it's a pretty hard road to take uh and streaming would probably be easier but if you're just like i want to crush all the nerds then, then yeah like <laughs> you gotta go this way right like uh but competitive magic is just in a really weird spot for the past year or two and with arena everything's confused and even wizards doesn't know what they're doing so yeah uh at bicycle do you also feel recently there's too many cards that are just variations of existing cards known effect but for example vanifar neoform enigmatic incarnation or all the blue cards with cost one less for each instant enchantment or artifact yeah i mean we have 
I'm trying to think of the exact number. Twenty thousand. Let's say twenty thousand magic cards in existence at this point. There's only so many effects, <laughs> so I it doesn't really bother me. I think it's just a product of the fact that magic's been around for so long. So, and, and I think that the other reason it doesn't really bother me is uh, the context is different. Like how a card plays in Throne of Eldraine standard or Theros Beyond Death standard is going to be how different than how a card played, uh, you know, five years ago in its standard format. So uh, I can see what you're saying, but personally, it doesn't really it doesn't really bother me. I think it's just like the cost of having a game that has 20,000 cards in it or whatever it is at this point. Yeah, I actually think Wizards is doing a really good job of keeping the game fresh. Like when you release 300 cards like every couple of months, obviously the bulk of them will be kind of like reprints, but a lot of the cards are unique. Like a lot of the cards feel new and different, like Oko, even though we hate it, right? <laughs> like once upon, like it, it feels very different and very new, which is really impressive considering this game's been going for like 20 years so i actually think that this is a strength of wizards that they're somehow able to keep magic fresh even though you know it's a card with two sides max sometimes they make a third side and then like a bunch of rules that haven't really changed but they somehow keep everything fresh and going uh which is a which other card games can't do right other card games might have you know a good release or something but over time the game gets stale I think Wizards has done a good job of preventing that with magic. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Uh, all right, last question. Beekeeper, what are some unpopular opinions you have about card design? To start off, I think enchantments should almost never have activated abilities because I feel like they are persistent effects, not devices or tools. It's what differentiates them from artifacts. I don't even know if I would consider that uh, unpopular. I would, <laughs> I would agree with that, actually. Huh. This is a this is a tough question. Do you have one off the top of your head, Richard? Unpopular. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I, the enchantment one, I think I agree with as well, because given a card nowadays, I can't label what it is anymore. Is this an artifact? Is it a colorless artifact or a colored artifact? Right? Is this a planeswalker static ability? Like, what is this, right? But hmm. What about... Uh, I don't even know if it's unpopular. I was going to say, like... Uh, like, <laughs> green should should not get as good of card draw or maybe white should get card draw but those are like popular opinions i think that a lot of people would say so i don't i don't know if i actually have a unpopular opinion about card design maybe that is my unpopular opinion i don't think white should get card draw as bad as that sounds like i I understand like if you play mono white you're kind of at disadvantaged right they need to come up with some way to give white an advantage without drawing cards because if every color could draw cards what are, what are the what is the point of the colors right the problem is white strengths do not um overcome their lack of card draw right so the idea was like tokens would somehow fix this but like i don't know how raise the alarm gives me card advantage right but like the idea is white either draws cards based on lands which kind of is not that good and it's sketchy and then also like by going wide which is weird but like if you could somehow make a one mana 10-10 indestructible flying lifelink, you don't need to draw more cards, right? So I think white needs something to up their power level, but I don't think all colors should just be able to nilly-willy draw cards. And I think um, Smothering Tide is a really good example where it's a super powerful card, but it doesn't draw you any cards, but it gives you like a pretty strong advantage. So this is probably getting off track, but my counter argument would be I really like what Wizards has done with red card draw. Like the yes. exile a card, you can cast it until end of turn. Because red was another color that, apart from, like, I guess, wheels, didn't really have that much good card draw. So Wizards found a way with red, uh, in my opinion, to give it card draw that really helps it as a color in Commander, for example, but still have it feel red. Like the, you got to play it this turn, your exile on the top card, your library has that like chaotic random element to it. So I would like to see white get card draw, but somehow, I don't, maybe you embrace the like life gain card draw thing. Like, even though I don't really want more white life gain cards, but (laughs) something that, something similar to what they did with red, but with white, some sort of card advantage that is uh, in white slice of the color pie. Cause I feel like they, they really did a good job with that with red. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's a perfectly valid thing. I think, I don't know what white stick is. Maybe it's tokens, but they, they've tried this, right? Like draw lands uh, with like land tax style cards, life gain. 
draw a card, uh, like mentor the meek with small creatures yeah. come into play, kind of goes with so, tokens. So they've been trying, but the restriction has been too great. So people don't use it. Whereas like Black's restriction is pay life. Like who cares? Right? Green's <laughs> restriction is sometimes none, sometimes have creatures, which everyone has. Uh, and then red was the restriction is you can only use them this turn, but then they've also kind of reversed that. Like it's until your next end, end step or whatever, like they, they've given you an extra turn to do this, making it less restrictive. Uh, but white's yeah. restrictions are, are too great. So I don't know what they'd be. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm, life gain is not the answer because no one likes to play life gain. <laughs> and yeah, drawing little, lands just feels out. bad, right? Like aside from your first couple lands, you don't want to draw more lands, right? You want to draw action, yeah. right? I don't know the best way to do it, but I, I hope they crack it eventually. Cause I think that, especially for commander, like I don't really care for standard, whatever. I'm fine if, I'm fine if white never sees play in, <laughs> in standard, but, um, I think it would really help with commander decks if white had its version of the red card draw somehow that was actually playable. It should just be token generation. Like whenever you would draw a card instead, just make like big tokens. <laughs> like just yeah. don't, don't give them cards. Just give them better stuff. Or maybe they have like overpowered planeswalkers. Maybe it's mono white Oko. <laughs> white could be a planeswalker color. I don't think that's. I think that's kind of interesting. We and on you could go more with the kind of like the Gideon technique. How Gideon cared about other Gideons. Maybe white gets planeswalkers that like power up other planeswalkers or care more about other planeswalkers because planeswalkers are a source of card advantage, even if they don't directly draw you cards. So maybe that would be a way to do it. Yeah. Just. <laughs> Literally, we have a card in Theros Beyond Death that just makes all your creatures Gideon. <laughs> just make all, all your things Gideons and uh, Ajani's, and then we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, that's all the questions we have time for this week. Thank you to everyone who sent them in. If you have questions, you can send them to at MTGGoldfish with the hashtag MTGFishMail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that that brings us to the end of episode 259 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. You can check them out over at cardconduit.com slash goldfish. Even get 10% off. So, that brings us to the end for today. We will be back next week to talk about pre-release and whatever else goes on in the world of magic. So, until then, this is a crew signing out. <laughs>